Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Ohio Right to Life President Michael Ganadakis shares his reaction in winning the long fight to overturn Roe v. Wade and discusses the work that still lies ahead in fighting abortion in the state. Also this morning, to your health, chronic low back pain is a leading cause of disability in this country and notoriously difficult to treat effectively in the long term. Do you know your backstory? And we have details on a new program partnership between the Findlay Hancock County Public Library and the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. Sarah Clevidence and Heather Clove will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, June 27th, 2022. Today, if you are looking for a reason to celebrate celebrate on this uh, Monday, it is Decide to be Married Day, which is kind of cool. Uh, National HIV Testing Day, PTSD Awareness Day. It is Happy Birthday to You Day. The song Happy Birthday entered the public domain on this date in 2016. They finally settled that whole mess. The copyright ownership of happy birthday to you or whatever doesn't really matter anymore. It's in the public domain, so feel free to sing it loud and proud to whoever is celebrating a birthday today and not have to worry about paying royalty fees. (laughs) Happy birthday to you day. Industrial Workers of the World Day. Sunglasses Day. National Orange Blossom Day. How sweet is that? National Bingo Day. National Ice Cream Cake Day. You don't have to have a special occasion, by the way, to have an ice cream cake. You can do that anytime. And please take my children to work day, which is my favorite of all of the celebrations slash observances today. You know how they have take your son or daughter to work day, um, you know, to so that your child will get a sense of of what you do for a living and how you support your family and, and so on. Maybe. Uh, inspire your kids to follow in your footsteps career-wise. Well, this is kind of the uh, mirror image of that. For stay-at-home parents, (laughs) this is their day to tell their spouse, please take my children to work. Take them off my head. I always have them uh, at work for the stay-at-home parent. I always have them. Please take my children to work day. So that's... (laughs) I I like that. Give... uh, Stay-at-home parents, a little uh, little break. So, uh, baseball, how uh, how uh, American is that? Uh, All-American uh, baseball uh, coming up on this All-American weekend, the 4th of July. Peacock, the streaming service, NBC streaming service. Peacock is going to be streaming a baseball game on July 3rd between the Royals and the Detroit Tigers. Without announcers, no announcers. Now, this has been done before on game telecasts uh, a few times in baseball and sometimes in other sports, too, but usually not very successfully. It's just weird to watch a game on television without announcers, even though when you go to the ballpark, you don't have announcers. I mean, you have the stadium announcer who will announce who's batting and, and things like that, but generally... Um, you know, there's no announcer when you go to the game. And yet when you watch it on TV without announcers, it just seems weird. So 
they've got an idea. NBC Sports executive producer Sam Flood hopes this time will be different. Telling the Associated Press the whole idea is treating the game like you were out at the ballpark. We want to be the ultimate fans experience. And so we're going to spend the day watching baseball on TV like anyone would sitting in the stadium. We're going to lean in and treat baseball like fans do. Instead of having announcers, reporters will take fans around Comerica Park and view the game from different vantage points. So it'll be like you're sitting in the stands. AP reports that in addition to featuring other fans in the stands would be part of the telecast, the stream game could also include a conversation with a scout about what they look for during games. It'll also be a focus on youth baseball, including a Little League player announcing the lineups. So, I don't know. It'll be really be interesting to uh, see how that goes over. July 3rd, Royals and the Tigers on Peacock with no announcers. So, and check that out. Some of the other uh, first things you need to know to get your Monday morning started. So what did you do with your weekend? How did you spend your weekend? Dustin Reynolds had a big weekend, set a new record for sailing solo around the world as a double amputee. Uh, He had a bad car accident back in 2008 in which he lost his left arm and leg. And... When that happened, I mean, it was kind of a come-to-Jesus moment. You know, when you have a a major uh, life upheaval like that, he sold his company and bought a sailboat, left his home in Hawaii in 2014, and over the course of seven years, sailed around the entire globe, making stops in 36 countries along the way. He is now back in Hawaii having completed his round-the-world sailing trip, planning his next adventure. Um, Now, originally, he had planned on sailing around the world in five years. Took him seven. Said the uh, COVID restrictions slowed him down. But uh, still set a new world record for a seven-year journey. Sailing around the world as a double amputee. Man, I... I struggle to get out, get out of bed on the weekends without an alarm clock. That's <laughs> I feel so insignificant. <laughs> I don't care what you did this weekend. It can't possibly compare uh, to that. Completing his around the world. He's now planning his next adventure. Wow. Kudos, though. That is pretty incredible. The uh, UK, the British uh, publication, The Economist, has posted its annual list of the most and least livable cities in the world. If you ever get a hankering to travel across the world, uh, for 2022, the most, liz- li- meh, the, the most livable city, easy for me to say on a Monday morning, Vienna, Austria. Uh, Vienna had previously held the title of most livable city. In 2018 and 2019, why it did not in 2020 or in 2021, I don't know, but uh, it's back on top. The European destination's main charms remain its stability and good infrastructure Uh, that combined with good health care and plenty of opportunities for culture and entertainment make it the most livable city in the world. Auckland, New Zealand was number one last year. Ah, Uh, It says uh, here, 
draconian COVID restrictions dropped that city, which was number one last year, all the way down to 34th place. So uh, Vienna's first, Copenhagen, Denmark, is number two. Switzerland, uh, Zurich, Switzerland took third place. And Calgary, Alberta, Canada uh, was uh, tied for third. And then in fifth place, uh, another from our neighbors to the north, Vancouver, Canada, uh, was fifth. Uh, Geneva, Switzerland in sixth place. Frankfurt, Germany was seventh, tying with Toronto. Amsterdam was ninth. And Osaka, Japan rounded out the top ten, tied with Melbourne, Australia. So there are 11 cities in the top 10 because of ties. Since safety and security are among the prime factors in the rankings compiled by the uh, economist, Kiev, Ukraine did not rank this year. Kiev, I'm sorry, Kiev, Ukraine did not rank this year, not surprisingly. Uh, On a similar note, Damascus, Syria was at the very bottom of the list as the least livable city. So (laughs) I guess... You know, we didn't, the United States didn't place any cities in the top 10, but then again, we're not at the bottom of the list either. So make of that what you want. And how about this? An interesting story that uh, I saw over the weekend. It was uh, CNN Business, uh, CNN's business website. Apparently, see what you think about this. Some retail chains are considering letting people keep the products that they want to return. Have you ever bought something and then later you wanted to return it? Wasn't quite right for whatever reason. Um, Well, some retail chains are now considering letting you keep the product and still giving you your refund. The issue is that some of the biggest chains have too much inventory. Target, Walmart, Gap, American Eagle. Among those who have reported the problem in recent weeks in their earnings calls, they just simply have too much inventory, which is ironic because we've heard about all of these supply chain issues and things being backlogged, can't get things that we've ordered, but there are some things that they have too much of. So the last thing they need is more product coming in as returns. Plus, it's a big hassle to deal with restocking and uh, all of that. So... Um, there are also issues with some of the uh, things they usually do with returns. Sometimes they don't restocking. Sometimes, sometimes they don't restock them. Sometimes they send them to foreign liquidators for sale overseas. And that is not really feasible right now because of backed up ports and shipping container shortages and all of that. So it's a real mess. The chief operating officer of GoTRG a firm that processes returned items for companies like Walmart, Amazon, and Lowe's, told CNN the companies really are looking at the idea of, okay, we'll refund your money if you're not happy, but just go ahead and keep whatever it is that you wanted to return. You know, put it in a garage sale or list it on eBay, sell it yourself. Uh, The problem, of course, is uh, with with granting refunds while letting customers keep the products is a risk of fraud. I mean, how easy would that? I can see uh, that being a big mess. You know, people, hey, if you're going to let me keep the product, I'll just say I don't like it and I want to return it, get my money back and free product. Right. Um, Or people buying things for the specific purpose of reselling them and then claiming a quote unquote return, getting their money back. And yeah, 
I can see this being a big, big mess. Keith Daniels, a partner with Karl Marx Advisors, tells CNN retailers need to track and ensure that customers that become aware of the policy do not begin to abuse it by seeking free merchandise over a series of orders by getting a refund by getting to keep the merchandise. So maybe they'll track that and at some point they'll say, whoop, no more refunds for you, but I guess we'll see. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories. Mind you, I should point out, nobody is doing this yet. There are no retailers that are doing this yet. So don't get that brilliant idea, but uh, something, a, a story worth following. There you go. Some of the most inter- interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, plenty of sunshine expected today with a high reaching the upper 70s. It'll be mostly clear tonight, uh, low in the mid-50s. Ohio lawmakers are reacting to the U.S. Supreme Court's landmark decision overturning Roe v. Wade. Ohio Congressman Tim Ryan called it, quote, the largest case of government overreach in his lifetime. Also from 3rd District U.S. Congresswoman Joyce Beatty, who's joining him in condemning the ruling, saying... The will of the American people has been overturned. Republican Senator Rob Portman says, while abortion is a sensitive and emotional issue, I think most Americans agree that life is precious and should be protected. Senator Portman went on to suggest lawmakers work together to provide support for pregnant women. Hours after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, a federal court lifted the stay that had been put on Ohio's heartbeat bill. It was passed in 2019. That means abortion in Ohio is now banned once a fetal heartbeat can be detected. That's around six weeks into a pregnancy and before many women know they're pregnant. A stretch of County Road 9 next to Liberty Benton Schools will be closing for a widening project. Superintendent Mark Kowalski says the road is being widened to help in handling the increased traffic that will be created by the new K-8 building, as well as other events on the school campus. It should really, really alleviate any potential traffic problems that would be there in the future. He says the widening project will begin on Tuesday, July 5th and go until August 24th. Get more of our conversation with the superintendent about the project on the website. A $20 billion computer chip operation planned for suburban Columbus will have to wait a bit as Congress failed to pass legislation known as the CHIPS Act. Intel is now delaying the groundbreaking of its new Albany plant indefinitely. Intel told us that the plant is largely dependent on federal funding. The company still intends on building those factories. The Ohio BMV says beginning today, drivers will be able to renew their license online, adding to the list of services that can now be completed on the BMV's newly updated website. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So now our cover story this morning, of course, on Friday, as was widely anticipated and predicted, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned both Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey in an equally landmark decision returning the issue of legalized abortion to the states to decide. We're going to spend some time this week talking about the implications of this and where we go from here. Ohio Right to Life President Mike Ganadakis is with us once again this morning. In a statement, Mike, immediately after the decision was announced, you said, and I'm quoting here, when I originally began my work at Ohio Right to Life 14 years ago, the idea of Roe being overturned in my lifetime seemed completely out of reach, unquote. Does this feel almost surreal when you compare then to now? 
Humbling and surreal. Thank you for having me this morning. You know, uh, back when I started on February 1st, 2008, we had a very hostile United States Supreme Court. And hostile, I mean, as in very pro-choice and did not support the values and beliefs that we did from a pro-life perspective and um, and upheld Roe, had Casey. The Casey decision was also there on the books as well and mm-hmm. still drying on that opinion. So that's where I was coming from when I said that, because at the end of the day, uh, well, fortunately or unfortunately, it's up to nine men and women on the United States Supreme Court when we get to decide life begins. Many people may not realize that Ohio right to life actually predates the original road decision. And that is significant, I think, because it speaks to the fact that just as there was a need for this organization before Roe, the end of Roe does not mean that your work is over. Amen, brother. Our work has just begun, actually. And you're so right. Dr. J- the late Dr. Jack Wilkie and his wife, Barbara, founded the pro-life movement, not just in Ohio, but nationally in Cincinnati and then grew it to Columbus and throughout all 88 counties and then went to D.C. and all 50 states and then international. So the pro-life movement does begin here in Ohio to life. And to fast forward now to where we are today, we have so much work to do now because we need to ensure that Ohio has the strongest social service safety net to help women who find themselves to unintended pregnancy to make, sense that, make sure they have access to good health care, prenatal care, diapers, formula, WIC, SNAP, whatever those things are that she may need to help her have a healthy pregnancy and raise her child or place her child for adoption. Is that going to be a bit of an uphill battle? I mean, I've heard a lot of, uh, a lot of pro-life uh, advocates say that this is the next battlefront or this is the next thing that, that, that needs to be done. But historically, a lot of conservatives who are at the heart of the pro-life movement have also been opposed to expansion of those social service platforms. Well, I'll tell you, I can't speak for conservatives in other states, but here in Ohio, we're a little bit different. Governor DeWine last Friday at around 5.30 p.m. held a press conference to talk about uh, the overturning of Roe, and he launched a website uh, that's available for all your listeners to, to go to where we provide, when I say we, I mean Ohioans and our tax dollars, we provide $1 billion, that's with a B, dollars a year for women, children in need for all different types of social services, mental health services, housing, rental assistance, so on and so forth. And it's all there on one centralized website for for people to access and go to. The governor wanted to bring all of that in and capture it so people can go to one-stop shop to see $1 billion for women in need, whether they be uh, have children or be uh, find themselves in a pregnancy, unintended or wanted. There's help there for low income and for whatever the issue may be. So to my conservative brothers and sisters, you've done a great job being good stewards of our tax dollars that have allowed us not to raise taxes, but to use the resources we have to provide such a sh- such a strong amount of money to women in Ohio. Let me talk a little bit about the ruling itself. Hours uh, after the decision was handed down by the Supreme Court on Friday, Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost announced that the state's heartbeat bill is now law, having an injunction overturned that had been based on Roe v. Wade. Is that enough, or is your ultimate goal the banning of all abortions, regardless of circumstance, in the state of Ohio? How far do you want to see the law go in this state? Great question. You know, our mission statement has been the same for over 50 years, to protect and defend innocent human life from conception until natural death. Planned Parenthood's mission statement is to allow abortion up to and through the ninth month. No issues. Trust women. Trust their words, not mine, of course. That's between a woman and her doctor, and they do not support late-term abortion bans. They don't support any of that. They think it's perfectly fine. So we're on opposite ends of the spectrum here as it relates to life. 
Um, and to answer your question directly, yes, Attorney General Yost uh, got the injunction lifted. Heartbeat is now the law of the land in Ohio as of this morning. Um, no baby with a beating heart can be aborted. An ultrasound has to be performed. And from there, I'm personally working. Ohio Right to Life is working with Governor DeWine, Senate President Huffman, and Speaker Bob Cup to get a full ban on abortion. And we believe we can get it to the governor in the next couple months here, put it on the legislation on his desk to sign and to go into law. We believe Ohio uh, should be abortion-free. Look, for the past 30 years in Ohio, we continue to elect pro-life governors, pro-life attorney generals, secretary of state, so on and so forth, these statewide elections. Pro-life, pro-life, pro-life. The, the voters speak through the ballot box and who they elect. And uh, I'm not saying every Ohioan. We have 11.9 million of them. But a majority of the voters in Ohio continue to gravitate towards the pro-life movement. And that's the will of the people. We want to be abortion-free. California New York will stay, unfortunately and sadly, abortion up to and through the ninth month of pregnancy. Those are the laws on the books currently in those two states and sadly others. And that's what, they, that's what the voters of the state want there. That's where overturning Roe did allow us to make those decisions. That actually kind of speaks to the reason I I bring the the question up. It should be noted that the heartbeat bill is actually more restrictive than the Mississippi law, which uh, triggered the overturning of Roe v. Wade in terms of uh, how uh, early uh, on in a pregnancy uh, abortion is restricted. And the reason I ask what I'm getting at is right after the decision was uh, handed down, the president of the National Right to Life Committee, Carol Tobias, said on ABC News when asked about polling that shows many Americans do support uh, a woman's right to choose with some restrictions. Uh, She responded that many people may support the right to an abortion in certain cases, but not the way it is currently protected. And also, it was noted that Chief Justice Roberts implied in his concurrent statement that there might have been some sort of compromise that would have stopped short of a complete rejection of Roe v. Wade. So it seems like many of those who support rejecting the most extreme position on the left of this issue, as you said, abortion on demand at any point up to birth, are hedging their bets a bit against the adopting uh, adopting the most extreme position on the right being an outright ban regardless of circumstance. You know, here's the beauty of what the court said last Friday. The, the, in the court's decision in the Dobbs case, they didn't say we oppose abortion. They didn't say we support abortion. They said we're agnostic on abortion. This issue should not be in the courts. It's nowhere in the Constitution. This is a policy decision for each state, the, the voters of the state, you and me, our families, our friends, all registered voters in Ohio and the other 49 states. You get to make the decision. So there is no, there is no federal standard. There is no judicial standard for life. It's up to us. And that's, we have an election this November. You have two start, completely different candidates in a pro-life governor, Mike DeWine, and his opponent, pro-choice, Nam Whaley. Go to the ballot box. If you don't like where Ohio is going as it relates to abortion, vote for the other person. Vote for a different state rep or a different state senator, depending on where your views are. We get to decide this issue. The court said there is no line in the sand, whether you think your position is extreme or in the middle or halfway point. It's mm-hmm. up to you. It's up to you, Ohio. Make the decision. With respect to that and, and how it impacts the uh, policy, and this is a bit of a legal question as well, and I want to get your take on this. Let me ask you about the precedent sure. that this uh, ruling now sets. There has been uh, some uh, concern voiced by some legal scholars uh, that Justice Thomas, in his concurring opinion, referenced other decisions that grew out of the same basis that Roe v. Wade was decided on, such as uh, the one guaranteeing access to contraception, which was decided on the same basis. Uh Justice Thomas suggested that it would be appropriate to correct those errors as well. Those were his words. Does that concern you at all in the sense that freely and easily available contraception certainly leads to fewer abortions? 
No, it doesn't, because Justice Alito, who wrote the majority opinion, which is the controlling opinion, which is the only thing that the lower courts from here on out have to go with, said, and he went out of his way to put in writing, this decision applies to nothing else except abortion. Mm-hmm. That, those were the words written by Justice Alito. So whatever, yeah. uh, and I respect him immensely, Justice Thomas wrote in a concurring opinion, or even what the, the minority wrote in their opinion, or anyone else wrote, doesn't matter. He could have wrote the Star Spangled Banner in his, um, <laughs> in his concurring opinion, and it doesn't matter. What I say doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's what Justice Alito wrote in his, in his majority opinion, and he specifically stated in that opinion, nothing else but abortion. So Justice Thomas is obviously free to write whatever he wants. He's earned the right. It's his his duty to do it, but it's not controlling. It doesn't matter. And there's no there's no measure that he even has five votes to go four other votes to go along with him. I don't think he does on the court. So he can write what he wants. It's not controlling. Uh, obviously, uh, as you said, we have not seen the last of this. And again, I'm going to be talking this week about where we go from here uh, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Ohio Right to Life President Mike Ganadakis with us once again. Mike, thanks very much for taking the time, sharing your perspective. We appreciate it. You're a good man. Thank you, sir. According to the CDC, low back pain is a leading cause of pain and disability in America. You might have already known that. For those suffering with chronic low back and leg pain, a new campaign called Know Your Backstory offers resources to identify, diagnose, and treat lumbar spinal stenosis. Joining us are Dr. Dennis Patterson, specialist in neurological disorders and musculoskeletal issues. And uh, one of his patients, uh, also with him, Lee Davis. So, Dr. Patterson, let me start with you. Tell us a little bit more about lumbar spinal stenosis and the Know Your Backstory campaign. Well, I I will tell you what, this is a topic near and dear to my heart. I see a lot of patients who suffer from chronic lower back pain. And if you look at it statistically, there are 72 million Americans that have this issue. Unfortunately, um, we also see from the statistics that 27 million people never know what the cause of their lower back pain is. And so that's what the whole point of this campaign is, is we want to highlight a condition called lumbar spinal stenosis and how that can be the source of your pain uh, for some of these patients. Um, Best way to describe this condition is think about your spinal canal as being like a drinking straw. It should have a nice wide open uh, canal where your spinal cord and nerves can exit and go down into your back and legs. But as we get older, just due to natural wear and tear, things start to encroach or push in that canal. And specifically, there's a ligament that can become enlarged, um, and 85% of patients that can cause this stenosis or narrowing of that, of that uh, canal and that spinal cord. Um, and once, once those nerves get encroached on, they get irritated, and they can cause pain, numbness, tingling, weakness, heaviness in the back, buttock, and, and legs. In traditional treatments, we sent patients to uh, physical therapy, did lumbar epidural steroid injections, and had them on chronic medications, which just masked the condition. And what we found is that these patients were just treading water. They didn't go uh, anywhere. And, and then they'd end up at a spine surgeon, and they'd get a pretty invasive procedure, you know, either a decompression and or a fusion to treat the problem. Uh, now that we know that this ligament is enlarged in, in 85% of the patients causing the condition, and we figured out this minimally invasive treatment where we can debulk or remove that ligament, we can get patients back to a normal pain-free lifestyle within 24 hours after having the procedure done. Now, uh, Lee, I want to bring you into the conversation. You recently underwent Mm -hmm. a uh, procedure to treat your low back pain. Kind of share your experience. 
Yeah, well, after after uh, two surgeries later and 23 years after that, uh, living in pain all that time and uh, doctors trying to push medication on me, except for Dr. Patterson, <laughs> he got straight down to business and uh, suggested a solution. I was on board and minimally invasive procedure done. And uh, I tell you what, I'm a brand new guy. Dr. Patterson, um, as you mentioned, 72 million Americans uh, suffer from this. Obviously, very common. And as Lee was just mentioning, 20-plus years uh, in his case before uh, he finally got this fixed. That is a rather common story among many of these patients, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I always joke with my patients that we don't call it pain uh, cure, we call it pain management, and that's because, you know, we, we're usually just trying to make the pain feel better and manage it. Yeah. Uh, very rarely do we have a, a treatment that will cure things, and that's what's amazing about this procedure is now we know what's causing the pain, we can actually treat it, and we can actually cure patients, which is a breath of fresh air. Or I would imagine in, in many cases people uh, just live with it for years before it gets to the point where they finally decide it's time to address it. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the natural wear and tear that occurs is so gradual that patients don't even realize it. They just know that they have chronic lower back pain. They assume there's nothing they can do with it, and they just coexist. And unfortunately, not only do they coexist with the pain, but 70% of the patients are going to develop depression and anxiety as a result yeah. of their discomfort. So, and, and uh, and given the fact uh, that it is so common, and you were talking about uh, clinically, uh, you know, what is, is causing it in many cases, but I would imagine that there are a multitude of things that lead to this condition. What are some of the most common ones that you often encounter? Oh, I've, I've seen some other situations where genetics may play a role. You know, you can take your mom and dad for, for giving you some arthritis <laughs> that can cause some of the joints in your spine to push in the canal. Um, traumas, you know, may uh, cause you to have a disc bulge or, or uh, some other changes in the spine that can push in the canal. Um, uh, so there's, there's definitely, it's, it's multifactorial, multiple reasons on why you can have this condition. But the good news is, is 85% of the time it's that enlarged ligament and just taking care of that will resolve the issue. And Lee, talk about your life now as compared to what it was before. Well, to all those who like to bowl, I can bowl again. All those who like to fish, I can fish again. I'm not fishing for minnows anymore because I get those little shoreline <laughs> cash, you know. I'm throwing out to the deep, but uh, it has changed my my life tremendously. You know, uh, being being a man that's fairly active after 23 years, you figured that's half my that's yeah about half my life gone. Yeah, you know, and 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 Dr. Patterson was 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 pointing out about scar tissue and and trauma. I believe it was my surgeries that caused the uh, buildup of calcium or whatever it was mm. that pressed up against that ligament, which caused it to be irritated and enlarged. But once that ligament was shaved down, yeah. minimally invasive, you're talking about in and out. I'm in the, in the uh, doctor's office and I'm out walking. And, and now I have a quality of life that I can only imagine 23 years ago. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Patterson, uh, we mentioned the Know Your Backstory campaign. Where do folks uh, go to learn more? Oh, the, the best resource out there is knowyourbackstory.com. 
that website is amazing. It's got a lot of information on lumbar spinal stenosis. It even highlights the signs and symptoms um, to see if you have um, those uh, symptoms that could be causing the pain. And then on top of that, it goes into the different treatment options, including the minimally invasive lumbar decompression or the mild procedure. But I also want to highlight that the website has a search function that you can put your zip code. And when you type your zip code in, it'll get you in touch with a doctor in your area that specializes in lumbar spinal stenosis, is familiar with the mild procedure. You can call their office, get a consultation, and see if the procedure is right for you. We'll link that up on our webpage as well. Gentlemen, thank you both for taking the time. We appreciate it. Hey, we appreciate your time today, too. Thank you. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Deputies arrested Shamaya Tillman in Lee County, Florida over the weekend uh, after her meltdown at Wendy's. Uh, Ms. Tillman allegedly was not happy. Well, first of all, uh, her booking sheet uh, states that uh, she started arguing with employees after entering the Wendy's uh, restaurant. She started arguing with employees and throwing food. As employees tried to settle her down, she bit the finger of a female Wendy's worker. (laughs) Finger. uh, When the uh, police were called, uh, Ms. Tillman also accused of spitting in an officer's face. And the reason for all of this madness, the reason for this melee, allegedly, she was not happy with her drive-thru order, claiming there were not enough fries. I think we've all been there, haven't we? I mean, we've all been to... <laughs> we we all can understand the frustration of not getting enough fries in our order. <laughs> I can't tell you how often I've said to myself, man, I would like to just storm in there and, and bite some woman's finger. That's <laughs> no word on whether she ended up getting any more fries. Actually, she probably didn't even get to finish her... The fries that she got hauled off to the slammer. Uh, Speaking of uh, people behaving badly in stores, a New York couple uh, went shopping, grocery shopping, an average uh, day, got into trouble with the law. Maybe it had something to do with the fact that they brought their pet raccoon along. Now, I again, this is something we've all experienced. People, you know, bringing their pets to the show, to the store these days it seems to be a trend uh people uh, bringing animals with them when they go shopping but a pet raccoon is a bit much uh they were in, uh, reported to law enforcement by the staff of this uh, store and now uh this couple uh has been fined $1000 for their involvement in the raccoon's shopping spree according to authorities it is illegal to bring raccoons out in public because they are known to transmit rabies. Yeah, that's a good idea to bring your pet raccoon to the store. Uh, and you know, they're scavengers when it comes to food. So bringing them to a grocery store is probably not a bright idea either. Um, authorities uh, not only find the couple, they confiscated the raccoon. It was tested for rabies and the result was negative. So there's good news there, I guess. 
They won't be doing that again. <clears throat> this is a crazy story out of uh, Oregon. Uh, Jacob Chandler has taken his alphabet alphabet alphabetization obsession to the extreme. You know somebody who you know has that uh, OCD uh, thing about everything has to be in alphabetical order. Well, <laughs> Jacob, um, in two minutes and eight point six seconds, arranged all the letters in a can of alphabet soup into the correct order of the full alphabet. <laughs> in in two minutes and eight point six seconds, alphabetized his alphabet soup. From choosing the perfect spoon to the right size alphabet soup, Mr. Chandler made significant preparations in order to break uh, this bizarre Guinness World Record. He memorized the differences between the letters, especially like W and M, so you can tell the difference. They There are subtle differences, I guess, between the, uh, the two. Of course, Mr. Chandler could not have predicted which letters would be in the can of soup, which he said was the most nerve-wracking part of setting the record. Once the soup was alphabetized... He threw his arms up in victory, and I guess he ate the soup. That's they uh, verified that he had. <laughs> How bored do you have to be to alphabetize a can of alphabet soup? I don't get it. A couple of other items here in the broken news this morning. Here is the latest thing we need to worry about. Apparently, a sriracha uh, shortage may be coming. Uh, the peppers used to make the uh, tasty sriracha sauce from Mexico is currently ex- Mexico is currently experiencing a drought, so peppers are in short supply. People are starting to have difficulty finding the sauce in stores. There may be a limit to how many bottles you can purchase. Um, they say they hope to resume normal production in the fall. So, I don't know. worth mentioning. And uh, finally, how crazy is this? Uh, If you pay attention to the news, you know, microplastics are everywhere. Those tiny pieces of junk that pollute the oceans, they end up in fish and ultimately in the bloodstreams of humans. A team of scientists in China says that they have invented or developed a robotic fish that they hope someday to turn loose in the ocean that will clean up all of this microplastic junk. According to the research published in the journal, uh, published in the journal Nano Letters, these little robots, which look like a Pepperidge Farm goldfish, um, are activated by light, swim autonomously, and have approved uh, and have proven to attract this plastic gunk like a magnet. As they swim through the ocean. The idea is that ultimately they would collect tons of this, these microplastics and then swim to a collection point where they would be cleaned and then released to keep collecting more. And uh, while they might be small, they are mighty, made of cutting edge material. The fish can even have self-healing skin to keep them functioning despite the wear and tear of the high seas. Now, this is pretty amazing stuff, but here's the the question that I have in in all of this. There are things in the ocean that eat small fish. What if, I don't know, a whale comes by and uh, confuses these robot fish 
for krill and eats the robot fish and all of the microplastics that that fish has has collected. I just think that there might still be a few kinks in the system to work out, but amazing stuff. There you go. Uh, Today's uh, broken news uh, report, this update on the odd and unusual side of the news, brought to you as a public service, more or less. Of Hancock County Veterans Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. It's the WFIN Virtual Car Show. Get them out, shine them up, and upload a pic of your classic, and we'll post it to WFIN.com for everybody to see. In addition, we'll have an online car show calendar so that you know when and where all the area shows are. It's chrome and horsepower on display online. The WFIN Virtual Car Show and Calendar. Thanks to Details Auto Spa, Loritz Chevrolet Cadillac, and 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download. The numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives is vacation season, right? Um, And so a lot of folks are traveling. Uh, They say there's no place like home, but when it comes to getting a good night's sleep, a new survey finds that more than two-thirds of Americans say they get their best sleep while on vacation. This is a one-poll survey of 2,000 adults. 68% say they get their best sleep. They actually sleep better when they're on vacation than when they do at home. Even greater, 75% said that they wake up feeling more refreshed than usual when they are vacationing. Now, that part is not necessarily surprising. I mean, I think just the fact that you can wake up and know that you have the whole day in front of you, you can do whatever you like, you don't have to go to work and all of that, that in and of itself, I think, uh, makes it uh, easier and uh, more refreshing to wake up while you're on vacation. But getting a good night's sleep, uh, more likely uh, while you're on vacation, uh, 65% of respondents start to miss their own bed, though, after being away for three nights. That would be me. Uh, Asked what the best parts of sleeping away from home on vacation are, 43% named the smell of clean sheets, (laughs) which which I thought was interesting. You do know that you can get clean sheets at home, right? (laughs) This is not limited just to, you know, uh, B&B or a hotel or something. Uh, (laughs) Clean sheets, you can get the smell of clean sheets at home, but that's what they said. 41% say the mattress... When you go to a hotel or a bed and breakfast or an Airbnb, the the mattress is actually better than the one they have at home. Again, this is something you can correct. Uh, 39% say they are able to sleep late, and that's what makes uh, being uh, away from home better. Again, I, I would concur on that. But again, you don't necessarily have to be away from home to sleep in late on vacation. Not that I'm discouraging going away, but I just, I just thought some of the results of this poll were uh, interesting. Many people say they do still follow their bedtime rituals when they're on vacation. The top one being using a white noise machine. I have some ambient noise in the room. 41% say they need to do that while they're on on their vacation. And 39% say that they bring along a special pillow. So we might might like sleeping uh, on a better better bed, better mattress, but we got to have our pillow. So we've been talking about this, uh, and I have to say, I'm a little curious because I don't know anything about this either. We get details this morning on a new program partnership between the Findlay-Hancock County Public Library 
and the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. And uh, joining us are uh, Sarah Clevidence from the library and Heather Clo from the Marathon Center. Thank you, ladies, for uh, dropping by. We, won, uh, we appreciate that. Who wants to do the honors to uh, uh, take the wraps off of this uh, new program or tell us about this new program here? Well, we're very excited about this partnership. Um, you know, we love author events at the library, of course, and, and MCPA has done a few over the years as well. But authors can be expensive and hard to get. So this opportunity presented itself for us to work together and bring authors to the community virtually. Awesome. So tell us more about how this will work. Yeah, so you basically just sign up, and from the comfort of your own home, you get to listen to some really great best-selling authors talk about their books. They read a little bit. Um, we may have a, a watch party at MCPA or two over the year, okay. but uh, we're not going to start off with that just because it's summer and who wants to go inside a dark theater in the summer, right? <laughs> <laughs> so when does this start, and, and are there some authors that are already lined up and on the schedule? There we got Several of the authors are already lined up and on the schedule. Uh, there'll be two to four events per month. The first one is July 7th at 9 p.m. Uh, it's Alka Joshi, the author of The Henna Artist, which was New York Times bestselling book. Uh, and a Reese Witherspoon book club pick. Wonderful work of fiction. Yeah. Uh, and then who else is uh, on the uh, schedule through the course of the year? Yeah, it's a very diverse schedule. So there's some novelist and then there's some other you know, nonfiction. So our next one is on July 14th, just a week later, with David Allen, who wrote the book Getting Things Done, which was also a New York Times bestseller. Um, and the, I wanted to say what Sarah said, it started at 9 o'clock. If you sign up, you can watch them afterwards, too. Because sometimes so I'm in bed by 9 o'clock. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so they will be archived. Uh, they will be archived, well. and you can watch them afterwards on your own time. Very cool. Um, obviously, uh, some of this uh, comes out of the pandemic. We were talking about, you know, it, it opened us up to many different possibilities of doing things in, in different ways. Obviously, this is one of those things that really wouldn't be possible or feasible, maybe possible, but not necessarily feasible, uh, were it not for the opportunity to do this virtually. Absolutely. This is actually a whole consortium uh, of different libraries that are involved in this program, uh, which allows you know us to pool together purchasing power and, and get these big-name authors for events yeah. for many local communities. And we're so fortunate here to be able to work with our next-door neighbors to make it extra special. Yeah. So uh, what is the uh, process? Is there a, a list of – because like you said, this is a lot of them. It's not just one or two. This is several a month. Yes. So. Uh, either one of our websites from the homepage have links to the events. You just sign up online to uh, get the link to sign into the event on the day that it's happening. Um, you can see the list of everything posted. Again, just go to either mcpa.org or finleylibrary.org, and right on the homepage, you can get more information. Very good. And the first of these is coming up next week, right? July 7th, okay. yes. Okay, so circle that on the uh, calendar. Uh, about the the other big uh, event or the big thing that's going on at the library uh, is for the uh, month of July, which hard to believe we're into the month of July. Summer Read continues. Still not too late to get kids involved. Never too late to sign up for Summer read uh, you can do it in the library or on our app our read squared app again more information is available on our website there's still tons of great programs happening all summer long okay so uh we've got that link up and uh the marathon center of course uh big stuff here uh, just a couple of weeks ago announced the uh new series of uh events the schedule uh, of events for 2022 23 and you kind of gave us a, a tease of this the last time we had you on saying it was going to be a good one, and indeed it is. It is, yeah. So we changed our programming model. Um, over the years, I just kept hearing people want to see bigger shows. Mm -hmm. So basically, we're spending the same amount of money that
that we were spending on 10 to 12 shows and spending it on seven total shows. Okay. Uh, so they're bigger names. And, uh, of course, the, the big one, and we were talking a little bit before we went on the air, uh, already tickets have been selling well among members, uh, and that is the Johnny Mathis Christmas show. Yes. You know, Johnny was here several years ago, mm-hmm. and we've been, I've been trying to get him back for the Christmas show, and then the pandemic got in the way. Right. But finally, this December 1st, he'll be there, and yeah, tickets are flying out the door for that one. I can imagine, because I remember, and again, I was telling you before we went on the air, I remember seeing the original show, and Johnny Mathis puts on a great show, but I was thinking, man, it would be great great to have him at christmas time because he does i mean his christmas stuff is their standards he's the voice of christmas exactly (laughs) and uh so here it is coming up uh december 1st uh also have uh, a couple of uh of musicals uh one for christmas uh also around christmas for rudolph the red-nosed reindeer yeah that's my favorite christmas special i don't know about you all but (laughs) it's always been my favorite and it's live on stage um and then in the spring we're doing winnie the pooh which is another one of my favorites and that is a uh, that is a new one uh uh is it on broadway or off broadway it it wasn't on Broadway. it wasn't on it's it's a Opened in, style. yeah, it's a Broadway style. It's uh, Chicago, I think. I think is so, that yeah. what, where yep. it opened? Uh, this is really cool, uh, and and I think that's going to be a terrific show for the entire family. Yeah, obviously. yeah, definitely. People are that are buying season tickets are buying the kid, the quote unquote kids family shows as well because they're big Broadway shows. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we say kids with air quotes because uh, when the uh, Charlie Brown musical came uh, last year, my wife and I went and thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah, that's so. a lot of fun and and she's big winnie the pooh fan so we'll be there for that one and then uh, fiddler on the roof a, a right real... and that was just recently on broadway two yeah. tony nominees are in the touring production oh wow um and it's it's still traditional but it's updated so they include a bit little bit of yiddish they were really um conscious of the history of the piece when they did it but okay. it has all the you know, sunrise, sunset, and all those songs yeah. you know and love. Uh, yeah, that is a uh, so. So those are some of the uh, highlights uh, of the uh, of the season and the entire season list uh, and other things. There's still a lot of things going on in the summertime. Yeah, we have three outdoor shows in August, and it's all at mcpa.org. Okay, and uh, by the way, the uh, Riverside Civic Concert Series continues That's right. uh, as well. Again, uh, Marathon Center uh, taking care of organizing and presenting that at Riverside Park. So we'll remind you about that. But the uh, tickets for the main stage series the family series and all of those new shows for the new season go on sale this week yes yeah, so they're on sale right now if you'd like to make a donation otherwise they go on sale tomorrow at 11 a.m okay so uh, again you can check our website for more information about all of those shows coming to the marathon center for the performing arts and the uh, new uh, uh, program partnership with the findlay hancock county public library begins next week and sarah you've got uh, more information on that at your website right absolutely familylibrary.org or mcpa.org for more information very good ladies thanks very much for dropping by we appreciate it thank you and that will finish up our podcast for today thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning remember you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, of course and that is goodmornings.net So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.